Welcome to this week's episode of I Think We're Good Here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. Today we will be interviewing Rich Braza. Hear Rich talk about his unorthodox journey in becoming a coach at SMBC, Pierce College, Pepperdine, and now the Director of Volleyball Operations at Mamba Academy. Well, Rich, dude, thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Rich, episode two, welcome. Wow, this is this is this is awesome, man. I listened to episode one, Miss Tino. Got to actually text him and say how uh, how much of a fan I am of his again. Dude, he <laughs> killed it, huh? Dude, he was great. Yeah, yeah. he was really good for us, man. Dude, like I listened and honestly was like, man, if this is their first episode, whew, that bar is pretty high. Yeah, don't mess this up, Rich. I'm honestly, my goal is to talk more than like 10 minutes in terms of accolades and things like that. If I can get to that <laughs> point, I made it. Yeah, so let's talk it. about some accolades. Granada High School? Yes. Granada, well, now Charter. Granada Charter. Granada Charter, all city, your senior year? Yes. So your, your coach in high school was actually a football coach. Yeah. That coached volleyball. Yes. And you did not play club volleyball. I did not. No. Okay. So, first of all, what's your favorite story about your coach from Granada? Because <laughs> hey, the guy was doing what he could, but he wasn't a volleyball coach. Yeah, I mean Tom Harp. If you're looking at, at him on paper, is arguably one of the best high school coaches for volleyball <laughs> okay. because the guy just wins, and it's be- not because of anything that he's necessarily teaching. I mean, he focuses on working hard. If you're not sweating, then you're not working hard. So you should probably get on the back line so we can fix that. And uh, if, you, oh if, if you could touch the rim, you could play front row. That was it. So I was never allowed to play front row, even though I was a decent hitter, because I couldn't touch the rim. So all my senior year, all I kept doing in like recess, lunch, whatever, would go into the basketball-like gym and just try to jump to touch the rim. If I could do it one time, I was going to prove to him, like, hey, you got to put me in. I got to play. But Okay, so moving forward, you're, you graduate Granada. When did you know you were going to continue to play volleyball and go to Pierce? Uh, I actually played in a COC, like, summer tournament. And uh, I played with a guy who graduated from Pierce and played at Pierce. Um, I, I went at that tournament with a couple of friends, uh, Philip Puthasanon, he was a COC student and uh, he went because he had heard that it was like a, like a mini tournament type thing, just a friendship tournament. I went, I played on that team and, uh, this team, uh, needed a libero and I was like, dude, I'll jump in and yeah, that's fine. Played with them. And at this point I wasn't going to play. I was just going to go to school, you know, be done two years, transfer out. And, uh, I played, I guess, pretty well. The guy was like, dude, you should go to Pierce. It's a great program. You, you should definitely do that. And at that point, it was more of a confidence thing, you know, looking at city section schools and stuff like that. I, I had wanted to play. Uh, Adam Black did come to our TAF match, and he actually talked with my friend Trevor Westmoreland to play for him. Um, and so for me, that was kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, so he's not interested in me. Back then, I thought it was like recruiting was more of like the football type of like coaches come find you. And it's like, hey, Matt West, we want you to play here. You got to come. You know, Jackson Medikeke, you're the best setter I've ever seen. You got to come play it for us. So coaches weren't doing that to me. So I was like, all right, well, clearly I'm not that good. 
Um, <laughs> played in this tournament, had some fun. The guy was like, dude, you should play. I kind of told him that a little bit, like, nah, no one really wanted me to. And he's like, dude, no one wanted me to play. I went, I did that. I transferred out. Like, go have some fun, man. Uh, I looked into it and decided to run with it. Okay, so now you get to Pierce. And at the time, it was a really good program. It's been a good program at a lot of different points in time. Um, but Adam's running a really good program. How long did it take you to just kind of get it? Because you come from a not very volleyball culture at Granada. You go to Pierce where they're pretty much dialed in. How long does it take you to kind of understand the way the gym works and things like that? You know, I, I was very fortunate that guys like Chris and David liked me. Um, you know, and they liked me because I worked hard. Uh, I wasn't late. I like, showed up, you know, worked hard, knew I didn't, wasn't like, Hey, look at me. I'm the best guy. I'm the biggest, strongest, you know, smartest guy or anything like that. Um, but I just, I wanted to get better. And so I think one of the first times that I really got it was ironically not getting it. I showed up for five o'clock passing reps, um, 5.00 AM. Cause we would practice as a team at 6.00 AM and passers and setters were supposed to be there at five for reps. And so this, at this time it was, I guess passers, uh, setters, and middles were going to be on other court, and everyone else was going to come after. So that leaves our opposites and a couple other guys, you know. Um, but I show up at five o'clock. I'm going, you know. I'm Adam looks at me kind of weird at first, and you know, David says like, "Hey, what's up?" And I was like, "Hey," thinking it's like, "Good morning, man." So <laughs> Ray, like, Reyes walks up to me and like gives me like, "Hey, morning, man." Like whatever. We go through our reps, and uh, Adam comes up to me. He's like, "Hey." think it's really cool that you came today and uh I like it and I'm like all right cool and I, and I was like Reyes why do you say that he's like because it was supposed to be outsides there was no need for you to be here like this was supposed to be for outside setters and middles and you came and like did it he really liked it like that was cool man and that kind of is like just like stuff with me of like oh hey I'm, I kind of get like what this is doing that little extra stuff and things like that so that's awesome yeah I didn't My know that story me messing up was me doing something good. Yeah, messing up in the right way. Yeah. yeah so I read short, short with him. Um, the playing staff and or playing like team wise, you'd have Chris Reyes as uh, one of our outsides, David Hunt. Hey, Hunt. <laughs> OH2. He's a, he's a Brahma. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Brahmas are yeah. rare people or whatever Lance Walker says. <laughs> Matt, so so funny like you look at jimmy Garrels, angle angle air angle dave Rajorak, angle 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 then you had david who's line 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 yeah david's just cut back cut back more yeah. cut back like it's i remember him because we've had this conversation and like even his approach he was that guy that would have like his hitting arm go in front of him and go back and then full torque in the air to cut it uh, back he was one of those gangster midwest kids yeah, just like as hard as he could. Pride of Notre Dame right there. He still does it when he is snapping balls at guys from the box at like 70-plus miles an hour. He's got that hand right next to his ear, and he's dropping that elbow, and everything's going to one. He's uncorking to one every single time. I heard someone say one time that Dave Hunt is the best thing to come out of the Valley since Tom Petty. <laughs> that guy was me. <laughs> And we talked about it in the JOs. Uh, we were like, Dave Hunt, literally, he, I think he's the greatest thing to ever come out of the Valley, other than Marv, 
since Tom Petty. I mean, he's got it all, man. Guy There's no it. argument here. There's no argument here. Yeah, I would say, I mean, we're pretty quiet on this end. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> your first year at Pierce, you're redshirting, and you're pretty much an assistant coach. Like, you're, you have a lot of responsibility on the bench. Yes. The, so I had to do what was called the Kobe um, as a player. The, the funny story would be, so, like, all of us red shirts – had jobs and we had probably like six or seven red shirts. I mean, Pierce at the time you carried, you know, a roster size of 30 guys, um, you know, 12 guys on the court, everyone else would be just on the side. Uh, when Eddie took the program over, he started what was like a reps court where like you'd be on the side serving, passing, whatever. But with Adam, it was, Hey, you guys are just going to do stats and other things that I need. So we were like, all right, cool. Um, Technically, I was still uh, trying out because I had an extended tryout that took like a year uh, for me to <laughs> <make> the team. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so uh, during practices, I would do stats along with some of the other guys if we weren't getting in, if you know a guy was sick or something like that. Um, and then because of that, it'd be one of those things where it's like, hey, uh, you know, this guy you got hitting, this guy you got passing, this guy you got this, and it turned out like the hitting stats were wrong that day passing stats were terribly off and then you know my stats were like pretty good and it was like hey rich you got hitting and this hey rich you got this and this hey rich you got this sheet and i was like all right all right and then that turned into uh, <laughs> on the bench be like hey everyone's standing in the back like cheering like let's go yeah, we got this and adam's like hey rich you're not gonna be over there you're gonna sit next to me this time and i was like oh, all right so I'm sitting next to him and he's like, Hey, do you know how to do this? And I was like, but I could figure it out. So he taught me, just gave me the crash course. And then, I mean, after like the first time from that point on the feedback I was giving him, he was like, don't talk to me, just tell the guys. So I literally, <laughs> I literally was just like, I was like, pop, Joe pop. Hey, angle, angle. This guy's going angle. I'd be right because it's right? so that's uh, that's that's how my mind started to to grasp. So so you got promoted from not getting reps to first assistant coach. Uh, behind Brad, well, I'll be I'll be the second assistant <laughs> behind Brad. I don't want to take that away from him. Okay. But, yeah. So I mean, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, it definitely changed the way that I looked at the game for sure. Um, because I mean. You're looking at Valley Volleyball, no offense to Valley kids, city section, et cetera. Back then, it was not good. You know, we had basically it was teams where it was like one guy, you set him a high ball, wherever he is. I mean, you still have some of those types of teams where they're, you know, that's, that's it. That guy goes back row, end of the game. Um, and so for me, I was looking at it like I went into Pierce, didn't know what a coach on one was, didn't know what like wrist and hands were. It was just like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, teach me everything. And uh, looking at the game through the Kobe, through the tendencies, things like that, I started looking at hitters differently, looking at, like, you know, setters differently, just everything. Not knowing what I was doing, but at least seeing, you know, like I said, those tendencies, combinations, stuff like that. All right. So we talked about first year a little bit already. Take us to the second year. Who's on the coaching staff? So that would be Eddie Stanislavski, uh, Bo Daniels, Brad Lyons in his uh, maybe second year now, third year. Um, Eddie's the head coach. Uh, Bo and, and Brad are sharing the assistant staff. Uh, you go, you know, Eddie is outsides and, and passers. Bo is setters and Brad is middles. Um, 
our team was Kyle Luongo uh, as a setter, uh, myself as a libero, Terry Galbraith, uh, who else did we have? Joe Papadopoulos, Tommy um, Butler, who was our other pins? Oh, Ryan Duncan. And uh, our opposite at the time, Rory, Rory Brandt. Oh, he was good. Yeah, yeah Rory actually was a uh, bounce back from CSUN. Uh, mm-hmm. And he ended up going to Hawaii after he played with us for the year. We had a, we had a pretty good squad, and we, uh, we lost at SMC in the semis, I want to say. Yeah, I made it to the Final Four. We lost to Sean Grubbs' uh, Lasers, who went on to win uh, the championship that year. Was that the year where he would take the free ball and set the pin right away? Yes, it was. That was the year. And it got us like three times in one match. <laughs> Dude, so here's my question for you, Rich. So we both know you pretty well, but since I've known you, the name Bo Daniels has reoccurred I don't know how many times in your career path. How did you guys – was there a point in time in that second year when he stepped onto the staff where you guys had like a turning point or was it just one of those things like he was just always around so you had to deal with him or like how does Bo he just keeps popping in your life and I just want to know how it happened what it stemmed from (laughs) other than just being an assistant coach yeah you know it's very very true I think in pretty much almost every aspect of my coaching career it's either led from or following Bo in terms of like Pierce, SNBC, Pep, uh, Sports Academy to now Mamba, et cetera. Um, I think, I mean, I remember looking at Bo and the first time I met him was actually my red shirt year. And uh, my red shirt year, he came in, there's two stories. He came in for what was like a scrimmage that Adam put on in which our starters were going to play some alumni. And, uh, Bo came in, he sat on that team, and it was just one of those things where it was everyone talked about him because he was, you know, All-American at Pep. He, you know, played, played at Pierce, transferred. He, when he went to Pep, he wasn't supposed to be on the court. He worked hard. He made it work for him. He became this All-American, you know, and it was this big, huge story of him. So when I first met Bo, it was, you know, Bo Daniels. Like, and you always say Bo Daniels. It wasn't just, hey, that's Bo, whatever that you know air it comes with it um the second time i met him was at our alumni game he's playing with eddie so this is now the first time i meet eddie and Bo. and uh i was lucky enough i say that jokingly uh to play on their team because they didn't have their actual libero from their alumni year um and so adam was like rich you're gonna play with these guys hey this is rich great guy he's gonna he's gonna work real hard for you guys walks away and I'm like, all right, Eddie comes up and Eddie's typical Eddie, like, hey, man, like, how's it going? Whatever. Bo's like, what's up? We start playing. And uh, Eddie is the type of passer where he's constantly talking to you and he's like outside. He's like, hey, you and I, you know, we're going to pass the whole court, but if I'm hitting, you got to be more aggressive. So like, take my seam here, take my seam. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'm a red shirt, whatever. Then you have Bo, who is the guy who basically is like, if I'm front row, you got to put the ball in the net because I want to hit or I want to have any options. And I'm like, all right, cool. I start passing. Eddie's telling me one thing. Like, oh, that's a great pass. Bo's yelling at me, hey, get to the net. <laughs> okay. I go, but Eddie leaves me out to dry on one play. He's, Eddie comes, or Eddie, like, leaves me out to dry. I pass it. It's a 
10 foot off the net, you know, scramble play, Bo sets it, comes up to me, gets in my face. Hey, pass the ball. Walks away. Eddie comes back. And that, that's my fault. I apologize. That's on me. My bad. So, so I'm just like, dude, these guys, what the heck, man? Like I'm getting two different stories from these guys. Fast forward the next year. They're my coaches. Of course, I'm super excited for that now. Thinking like, oh, what's this going to be? Uh, we go through some stuff. And I just remember one of the times where it's essentially just me and Bo working on some setting stuff because as the libero, they wanted me to take the second ball and he wanted me to be a, be a little bit more mindful in terms of a setter versus just the libero kind of thing. And uh, I think that was kind of when our relationship really built in terms of, you know, he, he's showing me how to slide set, how to left foot, right foot pivot, things like that, which as a libero, you probably wouldn't need to know, especially back then the game was a little different. You weren't, really trained to be a full all-around player um but that for sure was a time that Bo and I like kind of bonded in terms of player coach and then as we started to to talk more and get to know each other more it was you know turned into a friendship and then you know kind of went from there so long story but that's how it kind of branched out that's awesome that sounds exactly like Bo and Eddie at that time in their lives. Very similar to the first time I met them both. Sure. Um, so before we continue with the coaching aspect of things, um, take us to your third year, uh, I, I guess, of college, because after your second year, you transferred to UCSB. Yeah, so uh, I actually I did a quarter at UCSB. So I went okay. to about December. Um, and the UC system, you actually go back later um, because of – just how their school year is. So I actually, Eddie asked if I could help out with the team before I left. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I, you know, went to the morning practices and was kind of a pseudo assistant coach. Um, they all knew that I was going to be transferring to UCSB. I'd already talked to Ken Preston at the time. Um, and I was pretty excited. I was looking at it like I'd get some reps during practices if that was possible. And, um, Transferred out, went to UCSB for a quarter, came back uh, in December, and it was just in time to make it work. In December, I basically just came back, practiced with the team, and then played the actual season in the second half, taking like whatever nothing classes because I didn't need any of them. So I took some academic ones that were going to, like I was interested in, things like that, and played that year. Um, came back, and in my mind, I thought I was going to kind of be like a starting libero guy, and came back and actually fought it out with Justin Corio. Um, yeah. Actually played the year as a DS libero spending. I think i finished the year as the, as the DS behind Justin. Um, in my mind, it sucked because I remember the week when I lost the position, it was rich. You need contacts. Now I'm fine. Rich, you need contacts. No, I'm fine guys. Finally, Bo was like, if you don't get contacts, you're not going to play. So I set up my appointment. I missed like two practices because they meant what they said. Came back. It had nothing to do with that. But in my mind that year, I was like, if I just would have had contacts, I would have been the starter for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Justin was good. He, I mean, hand passing. He was passing like a 2-8. Yeah, I think the second half of the season, he passed something like a 2-7 or a 2-8, and he was passing half the court. It was, it was nuts. 
Yeah, he was awesome. And playing with him, too, was like, that's cool. I, I didn't mind. I was always one of those guys that was about to play for the team. And at that point, too, I already kind of understood numbers of the game. And, like, that's literally all I had to look at. And I remember actually having that conversation with Bo. And it was our typical conversations where I had a question. He handed me a piece of paper. I said, all right, yeah, it makes sense. And then <laughs> walked out. So here's here's my question to both of you, since you got to play with Rich in his third year at Pierce. How, Jackson, how was Rich as being a part of the seniority and, and in like a leadership standpoint, although he was a libero, I'm sure you saw him as like, this is a guy that's been here. This is a guy that knows. And Rich, what was your thought coming from Santa Barbara I know for me personally, not to be like harsh, but I'd kind of be like, wow, I kind of feel like a failure. I got to go back to Pierce and kind of in a redemption sort of situation, but I really got to pull my head out of my ass fast because these guys depend on me. So Jackson, what, what was it like having Rich come back? And then Jackson, when you finished Rich, what was it like going kind of from like hero to zero? And then what was your rebound after that? Yeah, so like Rich said, he was he was in the gym at the beginning of the preseason when yeah. our 6 a.m. practices were. And he was introduced as a guy that was getting reps for college, but he's pretty much an extension of the coaching staff. And you saw that relationship right away with them. Like he was in the coaches' huddles. He would hang out with the coaches after practice for a little bit. Um, and pretty much not necessarily planned practice, but he was giving his opinion on what was going on. Um, and when he came back, I was excited because he was really nice to me at first. Um, and that year, we actually had a lot of really cool guys on the team. Um, and you could tell he was a leader. And it was funny because from my experience, I, I also come from a lower level of volleyball in high school. And it's like usually your best player is like considered the captain. It's like, no, here's Rich. He's battling for a spot. He's really good. But we also have another really good libero. And he's still – a leader, no matter what, like he's in the coach's office every day talking to them about what we need to do as a team. And yeah, he was also one of those guys that you could just go up and talk to yeah. like, Hey, I'm kind of confused about this. Um, hey, why is this happening? I'm not sure. Or if I was pissed off or something, uh, he would have a rational conversation and kind of a solution for you. Uh, and I think yeah. that's kind of how a lot of our conversations still go to this day, Rich. Yeah, I, really? I have, I have something going on and he, he uh, talks me off the ledge there. So then how, so, so Rich, then you're in preseason, you're this guy that's denoted as like, he's basically, he's a captain in the sense of he's that bridge between the players and the coaches. Cause you're totally both. You're on both ends of the table. And then you go play at Santa Barbara and you got none of that anymore. You essentially have you have no say, right? So just talk us through going, you know, it's like hero to zero to hero to zero, like all this stuff yeah. that you have to go through. Like let's and it's within like a four month window. Yeah. No, so just talk us through that and as we go forward, I'm sure there's gonna be some stuff that you say that we can take and it probably follows you through your coaching career and how you developed. Yeah, for sure. Um so yeah, when, when I went, I mean, even the, the whole recruiting process for me was, I think, a little eye-opening because at that point, it was definitely like, hey, you got to go talk to coaches, stuff like that. 
Um, the only two coaches that I really had good communication with was Kevin Ring and Ken Patrick. Um, I spoke with Adam uh, about Pep a little bit, but it, he made it very clear that it was one of those things where, hey, if you can come in and pay your way, you're a good kid that I'll put in a word to have you on the team kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, that's a lot of money. I, I can't do that. I appreciate it, coach. And he's like, oh, great. Um, went to San Diego. Uh, you know, Kevin Ring wasn't there during what was supposed to be our unofficial visit kind of thing. Um, so I took a tour of the school and it was just kind of like, more stung that I was like, what the heck, you know, I'm supposed to be here, rented a car. I had a, I drove a 72 Super Beetle convertible that couldn't go on the freeway. So I had a, a car. <laughs> the best <laughs> car ever. Yeah. So I had to rent a car to drive to San Diego. So it was just more insult to injury. So when I went to Santa Barbara, it's exactly like you said, I felt like the hero, you know, there I am thinking I'm a city section kid making it to D1 volleyball. My goal was always to be a division one recruit that kind of a thing. Talked to Preston. Preston made it very clear that, yeah, you know, we have these liberos that will be ahead of you. Um, I've seen you play and you'll be a good guy in the gym. And in my mind now, I'm thinking, hey, it's probably the same thing, kind of that what Adam had said in terms of a good guy to be presence-wise on the team. Um, very different, like you said, than being like captain-wise to now being, you know, more of a role player, which I was cool with, you know, to me, it was always the team first. Um, did the captain's practices um, and at first started on the lower court, court worked my way up, went, made, made it to the, the middle court, you know, final week before made it to that the, the, the captain's court, feeling pretty good about myself. You know, the things that I did well, serve, receive defense, things that I didn't do well at that level was serving. You know, these guys are big, huge dudes that hand pass a ball. And I had like a jump float, standing deep float. That was like nothing to them. But I'm looking at it like liberos don't serve anyway, so I'm good. I'm golden, you know. Yeah. Um, we go into what would have been the first team practice. We did our the whole NCAA signing of the paperwork, and you know, you have to do your physical things, all that stuff. And uh, first practice, we go in there. The guys are going in. He says, "Hey, liberos and outsides that are trying out." And we all stop, and. Uh, Preston releases every one of us after we've already filled out all the paperwork and we did our like two hour. Jesus, what a heartbreaker. Yeah. And I was just speechless. I was like, literally that day I just got off the phone with a friend saying like, dude, I'm so stoked. Made it to the captain's court. The guys like me. Um, you know, I, I put everything into volleyball. So I didn't really like have, I mean, I was a transfer, so I didn't have like those freshman friends and have those junior those sophomore friends with my junior year. Didn't really know anybody. Um, lived in a house where again, I was the new person, didn't know anyone. And uh, getting released was just like my heart dropped to the floor and immediately filled with just like anger, frustration, everything. And uh it, I don't even know what he said because as soon as he said released, it's like everything just went black. And I just did my normal, like frustrated, like deep breath, shake my head, like, okay, got it. Turn around, walked out of the gym. As I'm walking out, Ricardo DeMonte, who was the uh, assistant at the time, runs over and he's like, hey, I'm the uh, director for our club team. It's like the JV team. We'd love to have you. You'd be so great for it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, I apologized to him later on, but I, I felt like it was this 
my response was rude. He was said that it wasn't, but I just was like, Ricardo, Ricardo, I got to stop you. This is really not the time to be talking to me. I just got cut from a team that I made the conscious choice to come here for this reason. I really don't want to talk about a club team right now. I'm sorry. And, uh, and he was reasonable. Like, yeah. he was like, no, no, it's cool. It's cool. Um, but How, yeah. Like, so dude, if that's me, I'm like, I'm never playing volleyball again. That's that okay. had to go through your mind for a couple weeks. Oh, a hundred percent. I yeah. mean, I, I, again, you know, so you're looking at me, I didn't have a ton of friends you know, most of my friends were all in the Valley still and I'm yeah. calling them, whatever that type of stuff. So I'm sitting in my room that I share with my roommate, uh, on my bed that's on the floor. Cause again, I came there for volleyball. I didn't care about anything but volleyball. Yeah. And I'm just like, what do I do now? Like, I'm thinking this is like a midlife crisis over here. Like, no, what's going well, dude, when you're like 19, it is. Yeah. Cause it's all, you know, it's all, you know. So I, I called Bo and I called Eddie and, and, Bo was furious and he, uh, yeah. he immediately actually called uh, Kenny and basically told him, you will never receive another kid from SNBC that I've ever coached or talked to. And if anyone ever asks me again, I'm going to tell them what you did to Rich. And I'm fired up. I'm like, hell yeah, give him the business, Bo. Um, <laughs> little, like we didn't know Kenny retired that year anyway, so it didn't really matter. It didn't matter, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so Eddie and Bo both said like, look, you do what you got to do. You know, if you want to come back, you got a spot with us. If, if not, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try out the club team. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what it's like. You know, I knew a couple of the guys had, had been either ex-players that were cut or had gone there to play. A player that Bo had coached, Bennett Duvall, he was on the team and he, he reached out to me. He was like, yeah, dude, come out. So uh, I had I'd known him through club because I was coaching at the time anyway. So I went and uh, the talent in the gym was high. The focus and the desire to play was incredibly low. Well, man, chicks and booze, the Santa Barbara way. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, we, would, we would practice at like 11 o'clock midnight, you know, at, at times. And uh, I'm, I'm going there trying to get my classes, stuff like that. And then I go and these guys – are drunk or not showing up four guys for practice and i'm just like what am i doing here and uh, i went to a couple of tournaments and i remember i played pretty much pissed off the entire time and didn't talk to anyone except for the guy i carpooled with just because i was so furious you know it's like i came here for this reason and uh that was a time that that's when i realized i had still had some volleyball in me but it wasn't going to be there so I think for me, kind of going back to your original question, Matt, like that probably took care of the whole ego of the hero, like to zero thing. Cause it didn't even seem like it like was that step back down because when I came, I felt like I was within a community of people who wanted the same thing. You felt refocused. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was a little different. I think if I didn't play the club, if I just went straight from UCSBs, you know, captain's practices that type of experience you would have felt like the big dog walking in yeah and i think going in there instead it felt more like man this like this guy he's not great but he wants to be here yeah. so you yeah. you had those guys who have funky platforms where they're grabbing their palm and their hands are open but they're showing up at 4 45 for a 5 a.m practice yeah. and 
you know, that to me was just like, yep, I'm home. So stepping in, the weirdest part for me, honestly, was just kind of the dynamics of when I left originally, I was an extension of the coaching staff. You know, I was that volunteer assistant, if you will. And uh, I think it's plagued me throughout my entire life because I've always coached so young. Yeah. You know, the I stepping into these relationships with, you know, Jackson, I think you gracered that year. But, yeah. you know, the dynamic of coming in of like, hey, this guy was going to breakfast with the coaches in the fall. And now he's, you know, coming with us post game to go hang out. Yeah. That was just something that was kind of, you know, growing pains. It's interesting because when you're at the collegiate level, that's kind of looked at like, oh, he's like a teacher's pet or whatever by some people. But like, as you get older, right. And you look at the pro and you look at it in any sport, right. And you, you listened like the last dance is on right now, right. On ESPN. Yeah. And how pissed was Jordan because Doug Collins was his guy and yeah. he knew that Phil Jackson was not going to be in his corner for everything. He's like, you got to learn how to be a teammate here, right? Like where you're not going to have 38 points a game, but you look at the Elways, the Mannings, the Tom Brady's, like all these phenomenal athletes of the world. And they're all like coaches pet, all of them. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and yeah. like you look at, especially for setters, like in, in our position, like, you have to be the bridge. You have to know what that guy wants out of our team. Uh, offense, it doesn't matter, but you are the culture. Whether you want to be or not, whether you know it or not, you're the guy, and you everybody follows. Right. And there are, other, there are people in other positions, obviously, that take on, like, a different role. Like, there's the Josh Taylors of the world, where it's like he's going to walk out there every night, and he's going to drop 30 on you. Period. But that is, that is his role. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's interesting. I'm sure it's changed as you've gone up the totem pole, right? And gone from coaching 14 twos to 18 one or whatever. And like you can see that development of kids even thinking like, oh, the partains, like they, they really hang out with Rich a lot versus when they're 18, it's like, oh, they're just trying to get better. Those are yeah. our guys. They, they're going to carry us through. Like they're going to take us to the promised land. Yeah. You know, and it, it's interesting, you know. I mean, we all, we all probably say this all the time and we're talking to, you know, our players or our colleagues, you know, relationships straight from Mark, you know, have you ever read the book or teammates matter? You don't have to, the most important part is the title. And you're looking at that and, and the biggest thing that comes down to the relationships. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think when we're looking at it, you know, like, it's funny you say teacher's pet because immediately in my mind, what I'm thinking about is when I'm in middle school, and, you know, I'm thinking about this one girl who was teacher's pet, constantly going to the teacher. She would rat us out if we were doing things wrong, stuff like that, whatever. But then when you stayed on it and a coaching aspect and a player aspect, like you, you just brought that up, Matt, with like you as a setter. In my mind, I'm not thinking teacher's pet. I'm thinking you going into the office, sitting down with Winder, sitting down with David for hours going over combinations. Hey, this guy does this. And hey, did you know that so-and-so's out, so this guy might be playing? And what, what are your thoughts on this? You know, and a bunch of open-ended questions where it's, hey, you know, game five, row one, who you're setting? Josh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, like you said, Rich, it's more of a the healthiest way to work a relationship 
as it can get with one being a coach, one being a player. Like there's some, there's a tier there, but it's kind of mended when there's good communication. Right. Like I don't, I, I mean, I, I've talked to Marv about this. He, he came and visited me in Prague when I was playing um, in Czech. So I go over to his hotel and we're playing Finette and stuff. And I go, Marv, I, I got to talk to you about some stuff. Right. And so at the time I was really studying Micah Ma because I really, I, I was fascinated by his connection with Spira. I was fascinated by it, you know, because he, he gave Micah the keys of the kingdom at such a young age and said, just go. So I asked Marv, I was like, when do you feel it's appropriate to give a kid the keys of the car and say, like, you're the franchise now. Let, like, take us to the promised land. And he said it's three steps, right? And it, this goes for anything. You could be a coach, you know, assistant to the head or whatever. Skill, 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 skills is step one. You teach them all the skills in the world. And then it's like skills in teaching and methodology. It's like, okay, this is how I work, right? So now you know the skills, this is how I work. And then three is, is growth together, right? So then it's like, if you have a kid that walks in, he's got all the skills, I don't need to teach him that. Now he's got to figure out how I know what, you know, what, what our thing is here. This is our culture. Once he yeah. figures out my culture, then we just figure it out together. Yeah. And a guy like Michael Jordan has all the skills, right? He didn't know the triangle, but lucky for Phil Jackson, he's one of the brightest minds that's ever walked the face of the earth athletically and probably in any field that he'll ever walk in. And he figured out that it took him a year and one failure to figure out the triangle right? He loses at the Pistons in seven and then figures out like, oh man, maybe I should pass the ball every once in a while. And they beat Magic Johnson in four. I just, it's just something that I've denoted over time with, in everything that you do, there's just this progression. And those three steps, I keep thinking about, I'm like, man, you kind of embody them and what we're talking about here, you know? But it takes a guy, that's why I thought about Bo Daniels, because it takes a guy like Bo Daniels to kind of you know, take you under his wing and then he'll, he'll kind of show you the light. And now he's giving you space. He's like, this is, you know, so just take Mamba over. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, it, it's funny when you look at, uh, when we're in the same room together versus when other people are in the same room. I mean, Jackson, you were, you were there for a few months, you know, we joke around, it was your summer job, but you know, best summer job ever. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you were, you were the director of the beach stuff and we would have conversations. You'd be like, hey, I, I think this. And I was like, okay. And you'd be like, fine, tell me what you think. And I was like, well, do you want me to tell you what I think or do you want me to just tell you what Bo's going to tell you? <laughs> and you were like, all right, tell me Bo. Well, I think it's cool. I think if you change this, blah, 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 that could be good. All right, what's Bo going to tell me? It's not going to work. I shouldn't do this. <laughs> and he's like, all right, we'd go into those meetings and then Bo would be like, yeah, it's not going to work. Let's, let's do this. And it would be one of those things where it's like exactly like you're saying, Matt, you know, like growing with him, working with him, you know, I, I know how he is in terms of the skills, that culture, whatever. And then now we do do it together. Yeah. And I mean, I think our text messages are, you know, two, three, four words. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or he sends this like, Hey, do you do this? Yeah. And it's just because we're kind of on that same page. And I think, you know, as you start to build, you know, all of us now are, in coaching or going to be getting into coaching or, you know, just want to pursue that kind of, you know, outlook and future. That's 
what life is, right? You're, you're, you build that staff, you build them and then you put them out there and they go. And, you know, I, I think it's, yeah, it's like you said, you just, those three steps, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. And like, uh, I, I told Jackson, I was like, I'll, I'll for sure tell this story at some point in time. So we used to go to our favorite restaurant all the time before or after SMBC practices. Right. Yeah. And one day I'm there with Rich and it's post Korea because we went on a Korea trip with Pepperdine. Right. So I'm talking to Rich because I'm like, okay, I, I, you know, my ego started to get the best of me, basically is what was happening. And I was like, I don't care if Winder's here, it's better he leaves, I want to do this alone, blah, 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 because I, I just wanted the best Winder. That's the only thing on my mind. I was like, how can I leave here and be the best setter that's ever walked through Pepperdine? And Rich was kind of like, okay, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, man, but like uh, – that's you how know, he gets you in. He yeah. agrees with you first. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I kind of agree with you. But uh, I was talking to Soren the other day. And for those people listening that don't know, Soren's the other – he's our, the second setter, right? And Soren's like, I hate Matt. I can't stand this guy anymore, you know? And Rich is like, why? And he's like, he doesn't work. He doesn't work hard. Like, I'm over here busting my ass every day. And Matt just walks in and like, he's good. He's better, but he walks in and he knows he's better. And that's it. That's the most Matt's going to give you every single day. And he's like, I can't stand him anymore. Cause he doesn't even notice me. He doesn't respect me whatsoever as another setter. And I was like, Jesus, dude, I, I put all that out. Just when I walk in the gym, <laughs> <laughs> Right. And it like totally gave me a different perspective because at that point in time, like we had talked about last week with Tino, like I had, I'd got caught drinking. I had just gotten into a fight with our AD who was like one of my mentors at Pepperdine all four years. And it was just this huge disbelief that Matt could ever do something that would go against the Pepperdine culture, right? That we had been cultivating for so long. And Marv took me away from captain. And literally the next week, Rich goes on to tell me, not only are you not captain, but you're a shit teammate. <laughs> and that's so he heard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So literally the, the next day, but when he told me that, it was like this sigh of, it was almost a relief. Cause I was like, I'm human. This has to happen. Yeah, and it's, it's okay just, to be human. <laughs> yeah, it's an, I'm 20 years old, man, right? But it takes a tough conversation and that moment of growth to realize, like, it's some failure, obviously, to be like, okay, we're going to take a couple steps back to get a little bit more forward. And going back to the three steps, we had already succumbed, or like, we, we went past the first two. And that was three. It was like, okay, Matt, now you got to figure it out and we're going to move on, you know? So like it, it just, at those three steps, man, I just keep thinking about them all the time now that I'm older and I'm like, how do you push somebody through it? People get through it faster. Sometimes some relationships bust through that ceiling a little bit quicker, but at the same time, tough conversations are going to have to happen regardless of where you are in those three steps. Um, so for the listeners, Rich was the volunteer assistant coach at Pepperdine for the men. Was that your junior year, Matt? Junior and senior? 
No, it's just a, a little month. like the it beginning of senior year and then yeah, majority of junior. We got back from the, the trip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on that Pepperdine team, uh, it was Soren and Max, who Rich coached when they were 14 years old. Uh, I believe well, to- they, I had them at 15s, but they, yeah, they were 14 on the team. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you have these guys at a division one level as well. Yeah. Um, tell me what that was like. That's a pretty unique, unique. Thing. I, I made, I made the joke immediately to them that I was just going to follow them throughout their careers. So hopefully they go pro and I can start coaching professionally. Um, <laughs> I said that pretty early on. Um, yeah. You know, it was, it was, when you, when you have players that young and you go throughout their career like that, the bad part is it ages you because you start to realize like, oh my gosh, I'm so old. But the good part is that it, it's kind of cool. You know, I, I had, had Max and Soren uh, at 15 and, you know, they're kids. And uh, Max will probably make fun of me when he sees me, but he wasn't the most socially... <laughs> funny kid you know he he was a little awkward he was homeschooled and uh volleyball to him was like that was his friends that was his interaction and then you had soren and you know soren will be the first one to tell you that he was kind of a punk um you know he, he was a football player he i think it was a i think he was on jv maybe his freshman year or something um but he was like a great athlete at agora and they were just very different people but on that 15s team they were the backbone of that team, you know, and uh, I had them 15s year and <clears throat> I've always, I've always looked at my role as a coach in club to kind of be that like mediator between those types of different personalities and things like that. Right. So it's, it was my job to kind of find the commonality. If they weren't mature enough to realize that, Hey, we're here to, to win. We're here to compete. You know, sometimes younger athletes, they can't look at that and that's not enough. Um, you know, you could have right now, if I was like, Matt, you're going to play with this guy who's fundamentally a, a very different person than you, but you're going to play and you guys are going to try to win a championship. Who cares what he's like? We're going to win and we're going to do it together. Yeah. You're getting on my back. Let's do this. Yeah. And you, but you look at kids and kids are more of the route of like, oh, that kid likes Pokemon. No, nah, that's not for me. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I've been lucky that I'm a nerd. So I know a bunch of different things like that. So I would kind of regulate those conversations and keep the team together and those types of things. And that was their 15s year. 16s year, I was not there. They played for Lance Walker. Uh, and their relationship definitely did not do very well that year. Um, I got them again, 17s year. And very much like my conversation with Matt, in terms of, you know, we were, we were at our favorite restaurant and we were talking about, you know, hey, Matt, this is actually what Soren said. Um, I had the same conversation with Soren and with Max privately, respectively, um, about how they view each other. And uh, it was very interesting. And it was probably one of the first times I had a, a genuine, true conversation with these guys like this. And it was probably, I mean, the, both of them have talked to me about it. Of like, it was a pretty big thing for the relationship. Um, but I just told them like, look, Soren, Max doesn't look at you like a friend, man. You're not his friend. You're his teammate and he knows you're good. And he knows that the team needs you to win, that you're mean to him and you're not his friend, man. And I told Max like, 
pretty much the same thing in terms of like, dude, Soren, yeah, Soren doesn't like, like you. you guys don't get along. You don't really talk to him. He does whatever, but you guys need to do this together. And uh, we had that conversation before JOs. When they went to JOs, I wasn't that guy that's like, oh, I'm going to room together or anything like that. I gave them who they wanted, but I saw them start to talk, start to work together. Uh, they played their 18s year. Soren went to the youth national. Uh, that year was like the same as junior nationals. So they didn't do as well as they would, would have liked at a junior nationals or, or should say, sorry, for the, the junior Olympics for the boys. Um, and then we came back at Pep and had that. All three of our relationships were very different at that time because it was very honest. And it was just like, I could tell that they became friends, which was really cool because they finally found that common ground to get past the conversations. And for me, with them, it was really cool. And to be honest, they called me out because I was very different my first year or volunteering at PEP because I was just so uncomfortable with what in my mind Pepperdine stood to me what Marv was to me what Dave Winder what the program all of that was to me and it was one of those things where I mean I was not my normal self I was just always kind of walking on eggshells because I didn't know how I should be or what I should do and things like that and they had that conversation with me of like dude what's what's up man like what's wrong? Like you, you seem uncomfortable. I'm like, I am, this is weird. <laughs> so that, that was definitely, it was cool. You know, and you're, you're looking at it. These are two kids that I, you know, coached and worked with. And here I am looking at them that year and they're kind of giving me some feedback, which was something that I thought was like really cool. And now, you know, I, I actually hired both of them at Mamba. They're both doing other things now. Um, but they're, they're good friends of mine and people that I really care about. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see that kind of relationship grow throughout the years of how it was, you know, here I am an adult to a 15 year old and to a 17 year old, you know, young man. And then it came to college students and now they're professionals. And it's just one of those things that like, I, I could pick up the phone and be like, Hey, where are you at? So what's, what's going on? And, you know, we could talk for, for hours and, you know, same with Max. So it's pretty cool. That happened to Winder and I too. We were like, we're in the middle of season. I don't know if you remember this, but Winder was like, stop setting fast. Just set high balls to Josh. We're just going to set Josh. And I was like, Winder, I want to run an offense. You know, yeah. like I, I'll play to win, which was, it was amazing to have Dave and Winder because Dave was like, set 33% here, 33% here, 33% here. And Winder was like, set Josh. <laughs> so I learned two completely different styles within like a six month window, right? And, the part that changed was Winder started playing in practice. And for those who are listening and don't know Winder, four-time All-American, national champion, player of the year, 6'9". Literally changed the game. Yeah. Literally. He literally, yeah, he literally has a rule. There's the Shaq rule and there's the Winder rule. There's the Winder <laughs> rule, right? Okay, so Winder's pretty good. And he came back because he retired from playing abroad in the national team, right? So he's in our gym playing with the second team and our second team's pretty good. So we start working on quick pick one day and this is like the middle of March. And this is when winter and I are like going head to head pretty hard at this point. And so we're playing and winter's like set quick pick. And I was like, no, I didn't say that, but I was like, no, I'm setting gap over every time. 
because if you're going to stand in right front and you're going to help every time, and I have six eight six eight six eight on the front line on the other side helping with a pick in a straight reblock formation, I'm never going to win this drill, dude. I'm not going to win it. No matter how bad you want me to work on the pick, we're going to lose, and I'm going to look like the idiot, not you. <laughs> right? So I'm pumping gap go, gap go, gap go, and Winder just keeps biting on the gap, biting on the gap, and Kyle Garens is just going off of him down the line, right? Just keeps going off of him, off of him, off of him. And anytime I'm off the net, I throw in a gap. Anytime it's a perfect pass, I go over it. Because I know Winder's leaning off the net, and I know he's biting on perfect pass, right? So finally it comes down, and we're winning the drill. I'm like, yes, dude, if we win this drill, this is huge. So we're winning the drill, we're winning the drill. And I set like a couple bicks because it's starting to open like the Red Sea. And Josh is so good at the 40 that we go, yeah, we go gap 40 and it's just, it parts like the Red Sea right by the end. And you can see Winter starting to get pissed because nobody's touching the ball now. It's not even like they're getting soft touches because he's, he's competing. There's one thing about Winter. He's going to compete no matter what. Winter's a winner. He He is a winner. He's just thoroughbred winner right so to end the drill i bump set a gap and obviously winders nowhere to be found and nicola of all people thumps this ball in the 10-foot line drill over done winder comes right under the net gets in my face why didn't you set the pick blah 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 and just starts going at me right away and at this point i'm like you're just mad you lost you know and so he just he's going at me for like a good 30 seconds and at the end I just go yeah yeah Winter you're just pissed you lost and I just walked away and I could feel Winder's eyes looking at the back of my head he was so pissed right and so we didn't talk for four days the only reason we talked is because we had to play Santa Barbara like on Friday and we needed to start scouting so we don't talk for four days Winter's like, hey, he texts me, hey, can you come up to the office? Well, I'm like, oh, shit, dude, he's going to rip into one night. It's, it's over. He brings me in. We don't talk about it. He has the biggest smile on his face. Like, finally, dude, you sacked up. <laughs> finally started to learn how to play. And I was like, it, our relationship went so far uphill so fast after that moment because he's like, I actually respect you now. <laughs> I was like, you are an odd guy, man, but – if that's what it's going to have to take is just competing and beating you every day, that's fine. And that's how it was. It was like you had to beat him. You had to overthrow the king. And then he was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> had, like you said, David, who was like methodical, broken down, knew the numbers, knew the tendencies, like everything. You had Winder who was, again, just as prepared in terms, maybe not just as prepared because David is, unreal in terms of preparation but he was winder knew all that stuff but was like hey this is the guy they're not going to stop him and and both of them can back it up and uh i'd be in i'd be a part of those conversations and it was just one of those things where you i it was tough not to to basically to tell myself don't be a yes man right so you're walking in this room like hey you never want to be a yes man you don't want to be that guy that's like a great idea good call but then you're listening to them and you're listening to David, who's talking about, like, David just came out off of, uh, was it 
with Japan. He was right? with the yeah, Japanese men's national team. Yeah. yeah. So he he comes back and he's talking about like the different regions and how this said and you know the the quick pick is opening up now and if we don't have a, the success here, eighty percent of the offense should be out of the middle. And I'm looking at it like looking at it like numbers as he's talking and like, dude, that makes sense. He's, he's <laughs> and then Winder goes and starts talking. Winder's like, yeah, I, well, I played and and I did this and blah blah blah. And you're like. Damn, he, he's he's got real life experience. <laughs> so I'm just like, man, I'm looking at you know Matt, you know Soren, and, and thinking like, man, I would hate. And I, for, for people who don't know how the upstairs of the offices are at Pep, you have Marv's offices down the hall, and at the time, David's office was right behind the entrance of the door when you go up the stairs. You go up the stairs, you turn right immediately. That was David's office at the time um, because his old office was now Winder's office and that's right next to Marv's. And I would be right outside of Marv's office on the outside computers and I would love watching Matt go from down the hall, down the hall, because I knew he was gonna have at least a 30 to one hour conversation going over the setting decisions he made and why they were bad and what he should have done better from each of their perspectives to have no agreement except that in row one you set you set Josh, you set, Josh. You set him no matter what that was it so it would it would be the best and you would and I would see Matt I'd come I just every time he'd be like shaking his head like later Rich <laughs> <laughs> that was it like all right and no matter what, you couldn't do anything right. But at the same time, they were both right. Like, yeah. Was, ah. They taught me so much about the way that I communicate setting to young athletes, though, because they both, their concept was amazing. They both understood the game at such a high level. It was just one was really simple, and the other one was more complex in the sense of like this is how you divide and it was more vision based where the other one was like this is just how you play right like no matter what you're gonna live and die by this and the other one was like we're gonna live and die by you not somebody else right yeah. so now the way that i think about it and see it is winder had a lot of good points when you have an opportunity to point score you point score but when you have the opportunity to run the offense, like inside out, you have to run an offense to side out, right? Because people catch on. But when you have a point scorer, you point, you point score. It doesn't matter if he's got three guys in front of you. If that's your guy, that's your guy. So like you said, both of them are right. It's just when you're 20, you're like, I don't really know how all this fits in together. As you get older, you're like, I completely understand what you're saying this is how we're going to reframe it and structure it moving forward. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's just it, it, exactly what you just said. And you look at both David and, and you know, Winder. Brilliant both, minds. Yeah, and they both had remarkable success in everything that they've done. So clearly they're doing something right. Um, but I remember a conversation I had with uh, Winder while he was recruiting Dave when he found uh, Rajorak. And uh, I, it was a YouTube video. And he was just like, hey, I'm going to show you a video. This guy's going to be an All-American. I love him. Just watch. And I was like, all right. And I just see this, like, lanky guy. And uh, it's basically a bad pass off the net, high ball, crush. 
good pass, high ball, crush. <laughs> He's back row. The setter's running, puts it at like 40 feet off the net. You see him? Step close, high ball, crush. And you, you see Winder, Winder hits the space bar. I love him. <laughs> like you can't, you can't set him high enough. You just swing. Like I love that guy. He's going to be an All-American. I'm telling you right now. Winder was right. So well, I, was, I was lucky enough to also uh, volunteer this past year too. Yeah. And uh, it, it was awesome, you know, uh, working. So this time the staff was, you know, David, Paul Carroll, you have Matt and it, it, great, great staff. Um, it was just so awesome seeing the two different teams that I had the opportunity to work with, you know, you guys, yeah. Matt, with Marv, and then David with his guys now. And uh, just what they're doing, the things you're looking at again, David, everything has a purpose and a reason. And, you know, working with him, for him, whatever you want to say, you just, you just, it's tough not to buy in because. And it's fun, man. Yeah. You know, Marv said it best. And I always quote this in like every job interview I ever, I've ever had since people don't care what you know until they know you care. And when you look at David with the program, it speaks to him, you know, to a T. He cares so much about every one of those guys and about the program. And you look at what they're doing in the gym. It's efficient. It's really well run. It's they, they all know what they're doing. They're they're saying, hey, we got to get better at this aspect today. And it's yeah, it's just it was really it was a really cool year this 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 time that I had with them. And finishes finish us off. Best Marv story. One of because uh, <laughs> uh, this this actually really spoke to me in terms of me as a coach, and I think probably me as a communicator. To be honest with you. Um, Marv and I were talking, we were just, you know, in his office and uh, talking, talking, talking. He finds an opportunity to bring this up. And he's like, you know, when I was a young coach, uh, there, there's this guy and he was dogging it in practice and he's dogging it and dogging it. And, you know, I'm getting on him. I'm a young coach. and I'm like, Hey, you better pick it up. You got to do this. Everyone you're running. And he was like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm top of the mountain. I, I'm the, I'm a big guy on campus here. I put them all in their place and they're going to work harder. And uh, I see these two, him and his friend now are, are jogging and, and kind of, you know, and I'm like, what the heck? Why are they jogging together? And I'm like, hey, you better pick it up. And they pick it up. They get going. And uh, practice over. And again, Marv's thinking like, all right, I fixed that. We had a good practice. I fixed it. And the guy goes to Marv. The guy he talked to goes out of the gym. The guy's friend comes over to him. He's like, hey, coach, just want to let you know that uh, – you know, his dad passed away and he wasn't feeling great today and he's really sorry, but, you know, whatever. And uh, Marv just clicks right there that you don't know what's going on in these kids' lives, in these, you know, teammates' lives, what's going on and whatever. And you can't just react. You can't just act like that. You got to treat people like people. And uh, I don't know if there's ever been any time now where – good practice, bad practice, whatever, where I don't like pull someone aside and be like, Hey, everything. Okay. Just to check in with them because you know, in, I, even now uh, if I have a practice and I'm like, Hey, is everything okay? Cause it seems like something's off. Yeah. I'm fine. Coach. You sure? And it just goes so far. And 
when he shared that story with me, I was just like, dang, I, you're right. You know, we're, we're in these positions as coaches to, to enact change. And that just, it spoke to me, but that's more. Yeah, that, that's really powerful. All right, guys, I think we're good here. Yes, sir. <laughs> I like it. Thank uh, you, Rich, Rich, for coming on, man. Of course, my pleasure, guys. This is awesome. I love this. Yeah, Rich, thank you so much. Um, hopefully when we get a little bit better, you come back on, share some more of your, uh, your journey with us. I'm in. I'm in. This is awesome. I really appreciate you guys having me. This, is, this was great. Stay home. Stay safe. For sure. You man. too. You too.